Well, hey, and welcome to episode 26 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Josh, Ken, and I sit down and we discuss who can be against us if God is for us. And we also talk a lot about the role that biblical community plays in the life of a believer. As always, if you've not yet listened to the message from Sunday, I do encourage you to go back and do so as it's going to help this episode make much more sense to you. All right, well, without further ado, let's dive in. Well, hey guys, happy Monday morning. Monday it is. Happy Monday. It's sunny and nice out. It was 65 yesterday. How nice was that? It was 65 yesterday? Yeah, it's 65 yesterday afternoon. It didn't feel like it was going to get like that when I was out here in the breeze and the wind. and Windy. It was yes. windy. It, it was, was a little windy. windy, but it was nice and warm when I left church. I was like, yeah. oh, this is nice. Saturday was like that spring. too. It yeah, was like, Saturday oh, was nice. Walking out of the Y. I was like, man. I was walking with somebody, and they're like, and this is why we live in Arizona. Yes. In February. Now, like, amen. Now, three years ago, we got two feet of snow in February. Yes. Like in two weeks that. from now, that weekend, I, I know that, or th- four years ago, maybe, because that was when Courtney and I moved. It was the weekend Courtney and I moved into the house that we're in right now, and it just dumped snow. We couldn't do anything. It was terrible. Way to upset me, Brendan. Yeah. So uh. just wait until Mother's Day. Like once you hit Mother's Day, you're in the clear, but up until Mother's Day, anything can happen. That's how it is in the South, too. You can't plant anything. No. Until Mother's Day. No tomato plants or anything like that. It's like the garden rule. Yep. People do it every year and they always regret it. So. And then you have to have knee high by the 4th of July. That's corn. Knee high by, knee the, high by the 4th of July. Your corn has to be that height huh. or it's not going to be any good, they say. It won't make it, huh? Yep. No. I don't know. That's I, interesting. I'm hoping we'll get two feet of snow oh. between now. Oh. Why do you want? Uh, Let's go up to Flagstaff. They've got four feet right now somewhere. Yeah, on the mountain. I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to take my one of my sons. He likes to ski, so we'll go. I haven't gone in a while, so it's been a few years. Yeah. But that's on the docket. Yeah, yeah we were just talking a little bit about your uh, your recent sabbatical and uh, just the, the time that you had away. Um, 12 weeks, was it, you spent? Yes. Uh, again, just kind of recouping, refocusing after eight years of ministry, nine years of ministry. What, what were you at? I was, well, like, 12 or 13 in total, but eight years here. Here, Yes. So I think I'm now into my ninth year. I think that's what, yeah. Uh, And it was, yeah, it was basically Labor Day weekend through Thanksgiving weekend was a sabbatical. Took a few vacation days on the front end to get out to New Jersey and beat all the end of summer beach traffic. Yeah. Uh, So that was, that was a great, uh, a great time. It did its job. Definitely refreshed. Uh, Felt like I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. And one thing I really learned, I think that was probably most important is when I get stuck on things like, uh, whether, like I messaged, uh, mentioned in the message about our self-talk, right? If mm-hmm. I get stuck in my head, mm-hmm. I'll try to think through it. And then it's like being stuck in the mud and the wheels just spin. I have to talk through it with somebody and then I gain traction mm-hmm. and I could, and kind of get out of that stuck emotional spot or what have you. Yeah. That was probably the biggest thing for me personally to walk out of that with. It's like, oh, it's. Which then takes me to relationships. It's like, I've got all these relationships. I should talk in them. Uh, and it makes me think of the, the purpose of the church, right? It's not just Sunday is the event, if you will. But that's that's just where we meet people. We get to worship. We get to be encouraged by each other. But building those relationships out of that room, if you will, 
uh, that helped me walk and be reminded of God's faithfulness and encouraged. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I've been trying to follow Jesus for almost 30 years. I get, I'll get this figured out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll for sure spend a little more time talking about just that relational component in the, within the context of Sunday's message, especially. Again, I think that's such an instrumental instrumental piece of that. Um, but before we get too serious, we were just talking about a hobby you picked up during your sabbatical. Tell us about that. Oh, I, I picked up smoking and it's good. I uh, started smoking meats. Yeah. Got a Weber Smoky Mountain. Uh, and this was amazing. After I found, I was looking, I bought one. Well, I didn't buy one. I put it in my cart on Amazon. It was like 550 bucks. My friend was telling me, get the big one, 22 inch. And I said, let me check marketplace, Facebook marketplace before I hit buy. And so I did. And I find an 18 inch in Kingman. Yeah. And so I met, and he says, and he's got a 22. So I messaged the guy and he said, yeah, I'll send you pictures when I get home from work. Like an hour later, he messages me and he says, says, oh, I see that you're a pastor. You can have it. Just come and get it. I was like, what? So it cost me like a hundred bucks in gas to drive to Kingman and back. Uh, I was so thankful. Like what a blessing. Like I, I was about to drop $500. Yeah. Uh, a bit hesitant too. Sure. And that was nice. There you go. And so, yeah, I've smoked a few, I've smoked chicken, a couple briskets, pork shoulders, did a pork shoulder on Saturday. Oh, that was good. That, uh, the nice thing about pork is you don't have to babysit it. No, you just kind of set, set it and forget it. Yes. Yeah. For, and, I mean, quite a while. Yeah. I start. So what I did, I started on Friday night at eight. And I smoked it for four hours Mm -hmm. and then I stuck it in the oven uh, at like Mm -hmm. 175 for 12 to 14 more hours until 3 p.m. Then I shredded it and put it in the crock pot just so it sits in its its juice. It's fat. Oh, man, it's so good. Mm. Mix a little raspberry chipotle in there. Sounds good. It sounds really good. It was delicious. I've got the bait. I've got the 18 inch uh, Smoky Mountain, the Weber. Um, Same way. I Cause you can do two racks of ribs on it. I've done a full pork shoulder. I think you could get a brisket on the 18 inch. And okay. I was like, I'm not like doing any competition grilling. Right. Um, I did do some, uh, one of my favorite things I've done is chicken wings. Oh, I love. So love I you got to spray them with duck fat. Spray, um, you can get duck fat. Right. So, like duck, just buy a buddy of mine was like, I was telling him I was smoking some wings and he was like, Oh, I got something for you. And he gives me this can of duck fat. And he was like, you got to spray it on before you throw your rub on. Something about, you know, wings just don't have as much fat content. Mm-hmm. So you need it to smoke a little bit longer. And it was, man, it was killer good. Like, I don't know what that duck fat did, but it made those wings really tasty. Well, this is yeah. a great tip because Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. And that's, I'm mm. smoking wings and we got yeah. an air fryer. So I'm going to smoke them first and then throw them in the air fryer. Crisp them up a little bit. Yep. Yeah, that's a good idea. So that's, Do you have the, any of you all have the, uh, what is it, Blackstone? No, I've looked at them a bunch though, because I—that's my thing. I'm not much of a grill. Like I'll grill for sure. Um, I've just got a propane grill, right? So, and I've got a charcoal grill too that I use every once in a while. But uh, you know, when I cook steaks, it's on a cast iron, anyways. Like that's more my style is cast iron with the butter and the garlic and the the rosemary or the thyme, whatever it is. Um, but I have looked at the the Blackstone because it's like oh, burgers, smash burgers on a Blackstone skillet that would yes. be really good. You can cook breakfast outside, and that's that sounds great for me. So yeah. I've like, looked at a movie. And all of it. You can cook all your breakfast. On. Yes. Like, yes. I, I have a couple friends who have it, and they're sending pictures all the time. Um, and I'm always like, I can't have a third, fourth kind of grilling option. I feel like <laughs> yeah. what I have now in my house, I have a 
natural gas lined in grill, yeah. which is nice. They left it for us. But I brought a – so I have a Weber charcoal, right, the original one, you know, the the kettle one. So I have that. Then I have the the smaller smoker. Um, and I'm always like, oh, man, can I get that? Can I, yeah. can, can I justify having another option to grill yeah. at my house? I don't know. Maybe There's, I probably could. If you use it and it's tasty, it's justified. Yeah. There's so much you can do on a Blackstone, though, that you just can't do on a grill, right? Like, yeah. Just having the griddle aspect of it. 100%. You, know, you can do so much out there um, that, that you just don't have the capacity to do. So, I mean, you can be grilling up or uh cooking eggs or whatever it is inside do, but that's true. If, you're, if you're doing everything outside anyways then and you can do like the uh the hibachi grill yeah oh yeah you can do the right i have a buddy who does the fried rice at, you know, pretty tasty yeah pretty tasty so, brendan you mentioned the steak and a cast iron with the butter the garlic yeah. the rosemary so yeah you did that when we went to phoenix for that I did. conference i did do that so the either later that week or the next week uh i did that i was like oh i'm gonna try brendan's playbook here and we did it. We were on a meal train for the Jones family. Okay. And then I cooked some for them and for us. Uh-huh. And it was met with rave reviews all around from really? both families. Our, my kids. Good. My, they're like, that was fantastic. So I forgot to tell you that. They, yeah, good. Good deal. It took a minute to figure out like, okay, what's the perfect time for the perfect thickness of steak? And how do you get it to sear well without burning the butter? It's a whole, it took me like probably a year to figure out this is the way that I do it. Well, your tip with the oil before the butter. Yeah, that, that was helps. huge. That, that was a lot. good tip. What? Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. no, you got to share for our listeners. Okay, bro. so here's what you do. If you're a fan of steak, um, yes, you know, please. if you're a fan of a good ribeye, uh, Here's the play. Get like a one, one and a half inch ribeye is usually my go-to um, if, you can, if you can find them in stores uh, fairly easily. And then what you do is you heat up your cast iron skillet if you've got one. Stainless steel works too. Actually, you can get a good crust on a stainless steel pan, um, but I prefer the cast iron. Put a little bit of canola oil. I don't use canola oil often when I cook. Usually I'm a, an olive oil fan, but the canola oil has a way higher temp before smoking. So you put some canola oil in the pan, you get it up to medium, medium high heat, borderline high heat, and then you get your sear down. So you you drop the steak in the oil, nothing else in the pan yet, drop it down, get a good press. You can use a a plate or something to actually set it on top of the steak to make sure you get real good surface contact there. So the crust starts to form and you go two and a half minutes, like with a one, one and a quarter, one and a half inch steak, two and a half minutes on that side. You flip it, do the same thing, push down, get a good contact surface on on the bottom of the pan and go another two minutes on the other side. At the two minute mark, you drop in two, two and a half tablespoons of butter. You drop in your crushed cloves of garlic. You drop in your rosemary or your thyme, whatever your flavor profile is. And then you baste for the next minute. Then when you're done basting, you set it off, let it rest for 10 minutes probably. Um, And then you slice into it. Perfect medium rare, good crust, both sides filled with that buttery, you know, garlicky Mm -hmm. rosemary flavor. I did obviously forget the seasoning part of it, which is just salt and pepper. You just put salt and pepper. You don't need anything else. Maybe a little bit of garlic powder. If you're using like a, a less than grade ribeye, you can, you can go with a little bit of garlic powder, but just salt and pepper, fresh cracked. And it's the best steak. Are you only a ribeye guy when you do this? Uh, no, I'll cook other steaks yeah. and my method is pretty similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll do a New York strip this way. Uh, doing a filet this way is really, really good. Yeah. Um, you can even do a little bacon wrap on the mm-hmm. filet if you wanted to, which oh, is yeah. quite, quite fun. Yeah. Uh, See, when I do steak in the cast, I just cut it up. I chop them up. It cooks in like a minute. 
and the boys. It's already cubed for them. Yeah. Same okay. way butter garlic. I'm just trying to get it done really fast. And so it's like I can drop it in there, cook it really quick, throw yep. it on their plate, and they can eat it with some rice or whatever. Yeah. And it's already cut up, so I don't have to cut their meat up. Well, there with, you go. with yeah. your little army at home, you need like you need to buy a cow. Like you need a deep freezer, like ice chest, drop in, you know, half a cow or a cow. I have gone in, so me and a couple guys, actually two of our elders, we did like a half of a cow or a quarter of a cow, yeah. a cow something. I still have to pick mine up. So Cava, I'm nice. gonna I promise man, I'm gonna get it. But that was the issue. I don't have a big enough freezer yeah. space to do that. And so just trying to think through. So you guys do a lot of cooking. Yeah. I know Brendan, you do a lot of cooking. You do a lot of cooking in yeah. your own team. And we've done that half yeah. cow. Yeah. It's so we do too. So again, I always love, you know, there's a few other guys in the church I know that do the majority of their cooking. Yeah. You know, I always it's a fan, right? I know it's like the we grew up with the like, oh no, you know, the the guys don't cook. <laughs> they come home to the meal. And I'm like, I enjoy cooking. Oh, I yes. love it. I, I, it's relaxing for yep. me. I know the smoker was a part of slowing down for you. Yes. I know you're doing like pizza on them or made well, a pizza oven. I, yes, I did a pizza oven. Yeah. So I did a you know, I've tried it a couple of different ways. I've got my design down now, so I haven't mortared it or anything. Yeah. I put, and uh, now I'm just going to make it bigger because I just I nice. want to go fast. I want to cook more because yeah. part of the thing with the pizza that's great is you don't go through all that for four people, right? You you invite another family or two right. over, right? And I want it to cook fast so that I can participate too. Like we yeah. had one of those little uni pellet yeah. pizza ovens, and it just didn't do the job. Like I'm out there cooking the whole time, I'm not talking to anybody. It's like, so have you perfected your like pizza crust? Have you got that down? I wouldn't say perfected, but I've got it. It's in the right direction. Nice. nice. Yes. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Yeah. That's what I've heard anyways. Yeah. I like to brush the whole thing with olive oil before I even put it in there. Do you do so. cornmeal? Are you a cornmeal guy on the bottom? Uh, cornmeal or flour, whatever yeah. it takes just to slick it up and make it not stick. Yeah. Uh, nice. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's good. Most Sundays I'll go home and I'll rest for a little bit after, right after a full morning at church. And then I'll have something that I'm going to cook in the evening. And that's like my decompression from Sunday is yeah. I'll throw some headphones in and I'll just go to town on whatever it is, the meal that we're having that evening. Um, so yeah, to your point, it is for sure. Just, uh, yeah, I enjoy doing this. I've always loved cooking. I've been yeah. yep. cooking since I was a kid Same. and it's a good way for me to just slow down and, uh, yeah, just do this thing. That's like kind of mindless most of the time. Mm. So I don't even really think about it. I'm just doing it. And I like bacon too, which I know, I don't know if you are, but I, I, I enjoy baking like pies and brownies. Like I, I enjoy like home, making homemade. Oh, baking. Baking. I thought bacon. you meant like bacon. No, I love <laughs> like, bacon. I'm all about bacon. No, I love bacon. <laughs> actually started making a whole bunch and freezing it like 30 seconds you can just pop it in the microwave and it like <laughs> good because like nice. in the morning i'm like i don't have six minutes to make this bacon i have 30 seconds now yeah just there pop it go. right in there you wrap it yeah it's 30 seconds but anyways yeah so i enjoy that like throwing like brownies or just something again same way yeah i don't think about it i get to mix it up and it finishes and i'm get to go oh, i wish how oh, i should have added this this time or oh this is yeah. off just by a little bit, you know, making pies and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I've got two things about baking. One, I'm bad at math. Um, so for me, like <laughs> if you're bad at math, you can't bake. So that's like, uh, I'm, I'm not the math guy, uh, generally speaking, but, uh, so I, yeah, I mess up things regularly when I try to bake. And the other thing is when I cook, I'm just doing it. I'm not following a recipe most mm, of the time. Yeah, Unless I've got neither. something very specific, uh, that I'm cooking, I'm just doing the thing and yeah. I'm going to do whatever it is that sounds really good to me. And I feel like I can't do that when I'm baking because I'll yeah. forget the baking powder and then it's going to be like a pancake or I'll forget whatever the yeah, thing, that, like that crucial ingredient. Yeah. So that's, I, I've got a vendetta against, uh, against <laughs> baking. Vendetta. I just can't. <laughs> this uh, altitude, it messes you up. Yeah. Man, oh yeah, baking. Even it. like cornbread, like making cornbread, I have to, it 
literally is a different timer in the oven. Yep. Just because it rises different. I'm like, what? Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Didn't yeah. know. Had Welcome no to the Mile High Village up there. There, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough about food. Now I'm hungry and <laughs> feel like we got to get this over with so I can go eat an early lunch. But uh, hey, let's dive in. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, Ken's joining us as a result of uh, preaching the mes- message from Sunday. We were in Romans chapter 8, closing it out, verses uh, 31 to 39. And I uh, just want to say great job. Um, it was, uh, you know, it's this big triumphant text at the end of, um, what most people consider like one of the best chapters in the Bible, right? Like one of the most climactic chapters in all of scripture and, um, it's all yeah. downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little all downhill before here, that's anyway. True. So. That's true. <laughs> it's kind of like this was the peak of the mountain, and you're going down both ways. I feel like, but <laughs> right. uh, so good job again. I, I really appreciated your insight, um, Josh. What anything that stood out to you on Sunday? Yeah, it was. I thought it really good too. You know, part of our uh, process of doing sermons is you know teaching them out loud and then the staff kind of reviews it. And so, um, you know, I, again, I commend you. I know you kind of reworked a little bit of it just to help make more sense for people. And I thought you did a great job. Um, and I, you know, which again, if you've never written a sermon, just rewriting one when you already felt like one is done, like the highs and lows of writing a sermon already are up and down and you, Oh, it's painful. And then to do it again and the humility that that takes, man, it's really incredible. Um, and so, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it fits so well with what you're trying to drive to. Just like you said at the very end, Hey, there's no application. <laughs> right. How, and, what do you obey here? Yeah. And it's funny. I was in, I was teaching our discovering classes Sunday and I was telling them, Hey, most of the stuff that we do as a church drives to application from life groups to, uh, every time we sit on Wednesday morning and we review a sermon, that's what we're asking. How do we apply this to our people, what is the takeaway? And I think to a T, all of us were like, oh, there is no takeaway for this, except just believe it and be yeah, encouraged by it. it, right? Don't try to force it. So I really appreciated, like, there wasn't a, a forced nature to it. It seemed to be really good. And you just walked through it and was like, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Right? And and your tone and cadence, you know, again, um, which is different than mine or Jason's, you know, I think people just like, you're just building the argument, putting it together. And then in the end, it was like, okay, believe it or don't believe it. Almost in a way, like, I don't even know if you were trying to convince other people, but I mean, hopefully people were convinced, but it was like, yeah, here it is. Do with it as you please. <laughs> right. I'll tell you, I'm grateful for our process. You yeah. know, I you know, for this whole Roman series, how we gather together, we go through the text, we identify it, and then you know, I teach a few times a year. So I'm great. The the piece that's additional is teaching it to the staff. And because when you hear it in your head or on paper, it makes sense. But then when you say it out loud, like even when that day I was teaching it to the staff, I'm saying these things. I'm like, oh, that, that, I didn't make the connection. It was clear in my head. It's not clear when I say it out loud. So the feedback of the team is invaluable. And, uh, so people will say, Hey, good job. This or that. And to understand this is a team effort. I just was the mouthpiece. Uh, but this was a team effort to put it together. And I'm, I'm grateful, uh, that that's the process because it benefits the church, uh, tremendously. Uh, and we want to do the best that we can. So yeah, I don't have 25 years of, of doing this week after week after week. Right. Uh, so yeah, to creating one 
is a, is a great effort. And then changing it was not as much effort because yeah, the, yeah. the help of the staff, like, Hey, here's what we really need to drive right. for is those last three verses is really what's most important. Mm-hmm. And so let's build to that and drive that home. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And to you, like when you preach it to seven, eight, nine people with varying backgrounds and different thought processes, like you get a lot of good feedback. You right? do. That's and the reality. People that yes. are like focused on this thing exclusively. So, and again, I wasn't a part of, I don't think either of the sermon run throughs this time. So Sunday was my first time hearing the, hearing the message in its entirety. I had read it prior. So even, you know, walking in Sunday for me, was like, oh yeah, usually I would have heard this already three times, probably anytime that you preach. And uh this time it was like, oh, I'm just I'm just along for the ride. Let's see how it goes. It's <laughs> kind of fun just to be able to to be an observer this this go around. You know, it's funny as I listened to it this morning. Like I, I like to go back over, like, all right, where did I yeah. not communicate? I just want to learn. And I I realized I made up a word. <laughs> I tripped over my tongue and I I tongue-tied denotes and connotate. And I think I'd like, like connote or something. And I didn't know I said, when I did it, I didn't notice it, but I it was at the nine 30. That's what I listened to. And, uh, I just got a kick out of that. I'm like, yeah, you just trip over your tongue sometimes. Your and, wife didn't tell you. No, she wasn't at the nine 30. She know. was at the 11. My wife would have told me. Yeah. yeah oh, hilarious. she'd have told me. She's yeah. again. I, I'll, that's why I always tell guys when I'm giving them like, you know, Hey, let your wife look at it. They will be as honest. I think more yes. than because they don't like, there's no gain for them. They're really genuinely trying to help you. So yeah. my wife is definitely one of my last pass-throughs. Of okay. like, hey, does it make sense? Like, read this. You know me. Is this going to make sense? And um, and then on Sunday morning, too, <laughs> afterwards, I have to give it a couple of days, you know, after the whole process. But I'm like, okay, what what did I say that was just dumb? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like did I make a word up? Right. She was like, I don't know what you were doing. You know, it just – and they're not, like, harsh about it or cruel. or You're just – yeah, you did this, and it just was really weird. Why did you keep doing that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's so good to have too, because right, that's the way you learn, and that's the way you grow through stuff yeah. like that. And that was when I started doing a little more of the hosting communion stuff. Um, I'm pretty self-critical. If you don't know that about me, I'm, I'm my own worst critic for sure. Um, so I would walk, like, literally walk off stage, and I would say, "Take a deep breath, get backstage." pull my phone out, go to YouTube, go see what I just said. Like I would, because it's all live, right? So I go watch the live, like, and I still do this every once in a while when I feel like, oh, this thing isn't connecting. Like it's yeah. not saying what I want it to say. And I would just every single week, I would walk off stage three times a day, every single service, walk off, go wow. watch the thing. I'd watch the five minutes I was on the platform and say, yeah, this was helpful. Or gosh, why did I say that? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's not helpful to anyone. Uh, well, it's worked because you can say, I think of how far you've come. Cause that's not really your role to teach no, it, right? No. Now you do that, but from when you started to where you, it's, you're so clear. Like there's yeah, a, yeah, there's been a ton of yeah. transformation in that area. So there is, yeah, something to having some sort of whatever process works for you in your own growth. That's what an interesting and completely off topic. But I think it fits in the, like, when we're talking through us teaching, yeah, it's not just a vacuum. Like there's a ton of eyes on, we've said it before, but there's a ton of eyes on this. We are genuinely wrestling as a staff with these texts together. Yeah. Right. And so hopefully too, like you said, in the room is our perspectives. And hopefully we have a little bit of representation, even with people that are sitting in the seat so that when you all listen and walk away, something out of that message spoke to you well we do i think we have when on wednesday mornings we have two people in the room that are part of the process that are not in the ministry staff yeah right they 
they're like anybody else that's yeah. going to hear it on Sunday and they have the, and they offer their input, which is super valuable. Because yeah. we really know that the word of God can change you. I, that's yeah, the, right. like, that's the, we don't, it's not just a throwaway time in our, in our message. Like, Oh yeah, we're going to preach a sermon. Like, no, we, <laughs> we really want this to, to actually move you. And so hopefully again, you left Sunday either challenged or convicted or encouraged wherever you add on the spectrum. You know, hopefully you walked away going, oh, yeah, Ken, man, I really feel like he was talking to me. Like, and, and, right. like well, that's our hope. Our hope right. is that somehow we are talking to each and every one of us when, yeah. we, when we teach. So, again, For I thought sure. it was a really good job. Yeah, well, that's good. We wanted people to leave encouraged, and uh, hopefully that was the case. Yeah, yeah, the text definitely lends itself to that. There was one thing you did mention, though, in the kind of middle or early uh, front front half of your sermon. Uh, around a text that, right, if God's for you, who can be against you? And you made this comment around, yeah, wow, how encouraging, but also like lots of people, but we don't have time to get into that now. So yes. then what, what's the, let's follow up on that one comment, right? Let's talk a little bit about, hey, what does that look like? Like there are forces that are working against us. Like that's the reality of being a follower of Jesus in 21st century America. There are things that that can impact um, our, our spiritual life. So let's talk maybe a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. That was the, if God is for us, who can be against us? And there is, uh, so there's three, I would say major, uh, themes, if you will, of things that can be against us and, and the nitty gritty and the details might be different for each person, but there's obviously the devil, uh, the world and the flesh are those three things. And uh, we talked about I spent time with the devil one, right? Our adversary accusing us. So that, that one I felt like was fairly well fleshed out. We have an enemy who hates God and we get shot at because he hates him. So he, can, he can't defeat God. He can only hurt God by hurting us and taking us out. So that's, that's one, you know, the devil. Uh, and then I think of uh, the flesh, okay, ourselves. Even Paul in Romans 7, when we backed it up a bit, described himself but another passage that comes to mind related to that is uh, James, uh, is it chapter one? Let's see. I think it's chapter one. I got to back up here. I don't use, I don't have my paper Bible. I'm going to the Bible app. Oh yeah, here we go. In James chapter one, verse 13, he says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So I think of the flesh, like this is my desire. This is this thing that I want. Uh, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death, which I think when I look at this too, this is why it's important to have uh, like guardrails up, Mm -hmm. maybe a blocker on your computer or there are just some, I don't, I'm not alone with a woman I'm not related to. Uh, So just some guardrails. Uh, so then this temptation or this thought has less of an opportunity to grow uh, and become full, you know, full blown and gives birth to death. Yeah, that's a scary warning. It sure in is. James one. Right. And then we've talked a little bit about this theme before, even earlier on in the book of Romans. Right. It's the whole concept of God handed them over to their sinful desires. Right. God, God gave them over to their sinful desires. That's I think that's a parallel, probably. I would agree. To what James is saying here essentially like, hey, there's this way that the sin in each of us can be uh, snuffed out. Like confession and repentance is the way, it's the blocking and tackling that helps us put our sin to death. But what he's saying is, hey, if we're essentially, if we're not doing that, 
then these desires will grow. And once they're full grown, it leads to death. Yeah. And you say we put it to death with confession and repentance. And if we're not connected to people that are trying to walk this walk with us, who are we confessing to and helping and who's helping us be repentant Mm -hmm. and keeping us on that line? Right. Yeah. The whole desire, you know, the process of it, right. There is a moment of like, we can grab that temptation. Yes. Like we can't catch it before it gets there. It can't, it will come into our mind, Mm -hmm. but hopefully as we're growing, that's even like we talked about, how do you put sin to death? You, well, you die to Jesus, but then continually you catch it. Yeah. That verse in James always terrifies me. It's like, it didn't just appear like the way he walks it out is like, you have the desire that desire gave birth to sin, yeah. which is like a process. Yes, like there's I a had, gestation. So I had a moment to kill it. I had an opportunity to get, you know, to not let it grow into that, but I just kept letting it grow. And then then it brings about that idea of death. And so it's not just, oh, tripped into that or right. fell into that. Like, no, you, you continue to let your guard down in this area and this area and this area. And so it was really easy to do that. Because yep. you'd already done the four things before that. So just a great reminder for us, I think. Yeah, so within the concept of the flesh, right, working against us in this, it's like, okay, and I guess the reflection is in what areas of my life is my sin growing? Like, what what have I not put to death yet? Right, where is it ruminating? And it, it sprouted, right? Now yep. it's just a little, it's a, a sapling right now. <laughs> right. You know, right. it's it's sin that's got the stakes holding the tree up. And the, you, let, you keep watering it and letting that thing grow. It's going to, and then it's going to produce other seeds that produce more death and more yeah. sin. It'll keep growing. So yeah, identifying where, what, what part of my life, because it's not going to be everywhere. It shouldn't be. Uh, but there are parts of our life that stuff springs up that we have to pull it out by the roots. Uh, and I think people knowing us and can ask the questions and people that we are, I don't know, safe is the right word, but people we know that have our best interests in mind and love us and they say the hard things, yeah. uh, it's to yeah. help us. And I think probably out of those three, for most of us, right, the the flesh, the world, the enemy, most of us are probably disproportionately impacted by our flesh. Like that would be, that's maybe a blanket statement, maybe a guess. Most of the sin issues in our lives or most of the the areas of our lives that we feel far from God are as a result of our own sin. Maybe that's just me being critical and negative. But uh, tell us a little bit about the world. What does that piece look like? Okay. Uh, I, I think I would agree with you, though, in that, because the flesh is common amongst us all, no matter what our state in the world is. And the devil, he can't, he's not omnipotent and not, you know, he's not everywhere. Right. So, uh, just I would lend some credence to your thought there. Well, and again, I think it's really, really easy to point at Satan. And it's really, really easy to point at the world. And these are my problems. And it's really, really hard to look in the mirror and say, oh, actually, it's this thing that's in me. But that's I would right. think some of it is maturity. I would say probably in the beginning of my walk, it was other people or it was the devil. Yeah. <laughs> the devil made me do it, right? <laughs> oh, if he would just stop putting me in these situations where he was tempting me, I would be fine. <laughs> and then it is the acknowledgement of, oh, no, it's Josh. He keeps putting himself in these situations. Yeah. If I would stop doing that, then he wouldn't have a foothold to grab a hold to. You know right. what I mean? Like, that's the part of it. But I do think so. I think it maybe comes more with maturity. Yeah. Right? Again, but maybe brand new believers or people who aren't of the faith, they do think the world is against them. Every time they take two steps forward, they feel like it's, you know, a step back, three forward, two back. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of people who talk about that. Well, and I think that's, 
that's just part of life too. You yeah. will take steps forward and steps backward. And even, you know, we want to remember that God is for us who could be against us. So we have highs, we have lows of remembering that. But, and again, it, yeah, we'll answer your question. It may just be a bent in my own mind as I'm thinking about it of like, what can I control? Maybe that's more of it is like, hey, how, what's, if I'm going to spend my time on trying to solve one of these three things, I know I can control my own thought life, my own earthly desires and my, my flesh more so than I can the way that the enemy affects me and the way that the world affects me. That's so right. maybe that's just my own bent. Yeah. You control your decisions. And yeah. so, so back to then your question about let's talk, or your idea, let's talk about the world. Yeah. Uh, the, and we didn't get in, this was in the first sermon, the first run through of this. These were the things that I was going to talk about. Uh, I think of first John chapter two. So here's John, the same John from the gospel of John, the revelation of John. He's writing letters uh, as an elderly man. And in chapter two, in verse 15, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them for everything in the world. That's a big statement. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Yeah, you groaned when you said that, right? Or when I read that. Mm. For everything in the world, uh, the love of God is not in them. If anyone loves the world, and I think it's the uh, the ease of life that can come from playing ball with the world. Like, okay, I'll I'll go by the value system of the world. I'll try to climb this ladder so I can get mine, or uh, I won't have any standards. Uh, I think it's and then this here, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So it's the things I feel, which is similar to you know, what you said, Brendan, uh, about my thought life or the things I feel, the things I crave, then the lust of the eyes. It's like the things that I want. I want to get that thing. Uh, and then the pride of life. Look what I've done. Mm. Uh, and I, what, what's Paul say? What do you have that you didn't already receive? You know, the things are given to you by God. What are you, what are you proud of? Like this, yeah. your talent, your ability, that's a gift of God. You have to do something with it. You got to work with it. You got to own it. Right. Uh, but I, I think the, the ways and the methodology of the world, uh, which are contrary to the kingdom, right? What's the kingdom, right? You love your enemies, you forgive, uh, you serve others, especially the least of these. I think what you said, Josh, about being in Louisiana for seven years yeah. and serving the least of these, how that just squeezed so much pride yep. right there. What do you got to be proud of? Nothing. nothing, nothing. These you're serving people that can offer you nothing yeah. for almost a decade. Uh, and the world doesn't operate that way. Mm-hmm. No. It's, that's not that's not how the world goes. And in fact, you talked you talked about that in your sermon. You know, our world, America, twenty first century, has been incredibly easy, right? There is still difficulty, so don't like don't mishear that. There are still people who maybe don't have it as good as others, but collectively as a whole, what you tried to frame was, man, it's pretty simple. And so we bring that worldly ease and worldly comfort and worldly desires into our faith. Yes. And it was such a great line. And I was like, man, that is so true. And so, again, we think maybe even the negative part of the world, but even this is making me even think, no, no, it's the the world has put blinders on us and we're blind to what maybe real faith should look like. And Satan is just deceiving us in the fact that it's like, oh, man, oh, it's all easy. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Like, you're supposed to have that. You're supposed to have comfort. Oh, you're not supposed to experience suffering. Oh, that's, that's, 
that's the other world. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like, and he is convinced that, that this is the world in which we gain our most pleasure from. And then when we hear Jesus be, he talk about repent for my kingdom is here. And we're like, oh, I don't like that kingdom. Right. <laughs> Die to yeah. myself? Die. This doesn't sound like fun. Man, that does not sound like fun at all. But all we know is a lot of comfort and ease and, you know, simpleness. Right. And so the world does it. It deceives us. And then it's like you get in there and you just can't get out. Right. Right. You're just hooked. Like it's such a hard transition to surrender some of those pieces because you've been inundated for so long with that ease and comfort and disability. Um, and so, again, I, I maybe have thought even just before this of like world and negative connotations. But, man, I think Satan uses the world in a very just deceptive way. Right. Because the mm-hmm. good things, all those advancements that have come. Uh, those are a net positive, I would say. But uh, when you don't have a difficult life, it's hard then to persevere in the faith. If you haven't had to persevere as part of your life, I think this is why uh, like farmers make great pastors or greatly because they have to keep going, right? They got to milk the cow. They got like, you just get up and you do it one foot in front of the next. And it's a long, slow process. Yeah. And they keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. That's um, really, I, th- I think, the only thing coming out of um, the message that that we left hanging for the podcast. And the, the second piece of that that we kind of broached on earlier is just that that idea of in this idea of how, how easily we forget as people that love Jesus that there is nothing of the world that can separate from the love of God that is through him we forget that, right? Like super easily. So the only other piece that I just was left with was what do we do about that? Like, how do we, how do we try to orchestrate our lives in a way to where we don't forget that as frequently, where we can trust that and believe that on a more regular basis. And as the three of us were chatting about it earlier, like, I think it just comes down to that community, right? It comes down to surrounding yourselves with followers of Jesus that are spurring you on, on the hard days towards, Hey, just remember, right? This is the truth. This is the truth of scripture. Here are, here are five texts that even on the bad days, especially on the bad days, are still true for you. That's 100%. We need one another. I mean, that's what's there, 52, yep. I think, one another passages. Uh, and God gave us the body of Christ. That's what the church is. Not so that we just gather one day a week or even that we have relationships of frequency, but maybe of no depth. Mm-hmm. There, we need to be known by others. Uh, and then that's how you can really love. And uh, that, I think that's what will help us run the race well and finish the race well. And by well, I would say it's not like first place, second place. I think faithfully. It's not yeah. perfection. It's just I'm still faithful. I'm going to keep going even, even when I don't want to. And we need one another to help us do that. Yeah. And the reality is some of us do that organically. Some of us have people from like on an organic, from an organic, organic standpoint, people that our kids play sports with or, or people that we've met at church, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's great. That's super fulfilling. And that's exactly what it is that we're looking for is people like us that believe what we believe that can spur us on. Um, but Josh, tell us a little bit about like, w- w- if you don't, if you find yourself in a place to where you don't have people, you feel like you're alone in this, what's maybe a good next step? Yeah, I was going to say, me and Kim were talking about this too. And I saw just yesterday, this uh, tweet that said, a uh, reason, uh, 74,529 that every Christian needs to be a part of a local church. So again, just, you know, just a crazy number said, I can sing great as thy faithfulness on my own. 
but it sure hits different when the hundreds of people around me are singing the same words. There's no substitute for corporate worship, right? And yeah. so right. Um, there is something to coming in the room and being a part of the body. But then there's the other piece of raising your hand and acknowledging, I don't want to hide anymore. I actually want to do the things to move into smaller sittings. And so we have a ton of different things uh, from if you're just hanging out on Sunday morning, jump into one of our connection groups, either our connection events, either with men's breakfast or women's brown bag, something like that. Um, Even going to Discovering Quad City is another opportunity for you to raise your hand and go, hey, I want to be known. Mm -hmm. I actually want to be known. I want people to know me uh, jumping into uh, serving on a team. That way you're sitting together with people, maybe in a service after you serve together. So I think we intentionally try to develop um, what we call now our discipleship pathway in a way so that people can continue to be known on deeper and deeper levels. And so I think it's the first reality of acknowledging like, Hey, honestly, where am I at? That's why Jason every Sunday goes, Hey, if you're just worshiping with us on, you know, online, I can't wait to see you in 3d. I had a guy yesterday that goes, I've been worshiping for the past year um, online. And this is my first time here today. Yeah. I'm excited to finally be here. And I said, man, we are so excited you're here. He came up and spoke to our pastors. And good again, what he was doing for the past year, it wasn't a bad thing. Right. It has value. It has value, but it's not the best thing. So then it's like once you're in the space, how do you then become known? Yeah. Right. And again, I think everybody, it's levels, it's different levels for everybody. But what we're trying to do as a just pastors is we want you to help identify where you're at so that you can clearly take a next step. For sure. Because just probably staying where you are isn't good enough. And again, I think the enemy longs for us to stay in isolation. Mm-hmm. And oh, just yeah. keep ourselves hidden away. And so if you can, and if for some it's super terrifying, um, even just people coming in to say, How can I just talk to one of the pastors? Is a huge step of just I would right. love to share my story. I want you to know me. I want to know you. Like, I think it's such a a big step for people. So yeah, I think I'm identifying where you're at and then being honest about it and then going, okay, what does the church have that can help me take the next step? And if you yeah. don't know that, that's why we those are the conversations we love to have. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Two two notes there. I think that, again, if you're just wrestling, if something's stirring in you around, like, hey, there's something more. Like, I, I can't keep doing the same thing. There's something more out there for me. There's a way that I can can better engage. I think it's uh, the old Einstein quote, lunacy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Is that right? It, like, we can't just keep doing the same thing and say, oh, it's going to get better. I'm going to be more known. I'm going to have community in a year if I just keep doing the same things that I'm doing today. So that's like the the challenge is take a step. And to piggyback on the serving thing, and that's one that I think a lot of people don't realize as a, a an opportunity to connect with the community, jumping in, trying to volunteer or serve somewhere inside the church, outside of the church. I, I don't care where you serve, serve, go do something. The reality is some of us like myself are wired in a way to where if I could pick up a shovel and go dig a hole next to a dude, like that gives me something to do. So I don't have to deal with the awkward conversation and it can be organic. Right. Yeah. Cause as throughout the course of six hours, as we're doing yard work, we're going to talk about something, right. but at least it gives, it kind of gives a little bit of the, the something to do. So that's, if that's the way you're wired, man, serving such a good way to jump on the team, have purpose, have a, a role to play within this larger thing that we're doing um, and still connect with community. And I think it takes some humility and just some steps of faith. For some to uh, whether you've been hurt or um, you've had some bad experiences before 
to actually raise your hand and acknowledge that you're present. I know for some people, they go, oh, Quad City's so big, it's so hard to get plugged in. I know there are others who go, I love that it's so big because I can hide. Well, and so how do you, again, so if you're listening and maybe hiding is a part of your you know, forte in a way of like you like that the room is a little darker, that nobody really talks to you. Like that's not, that's not community, right? Right. It's good and it has value, but man, connecting. And I'm not saying you have to connect with 50 people. <laughs> I'm just saying who are the one or two people that we can help wrap around you so that when the suffering comes, because it's coming. It's going to come. That's what we've acknowledged in chapter eight. What, who's, who's keeping you going? Well, I think what sometimes people hide, there's a, I think it's respectful to allow people to have their anonymity, yeah. right? Like we're, like we're here, we have the church and yeah. we're here to help, but we don't have to drive at you. Yeah. And when you're ready to be known, you raise your hand, right? And not literally, but that's, you mentioned the discipleship pathway. Yeah. So, and we say it, you know, every service, right? Text Quad City 94,000, go to Connection Central, come to Pastor's Point. And then when someone has made themselves known, that's the initiative. So we, you, right, the church staff has created an infrastructure. Now people need to provide the initiative to get connected and make those relationships. And because we know that ultimately that will be the best thing for their faith. Oh my God. And we're not going to force it. Right, absolutely not. But again, the power of reading that, yesterday allowed at the end was not in me. It was me saying it, but also me saying it in a room full of 400 other people. Yeah. Like I kept stopping so I could listen for a second, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to say it because I wanted to believe it too. Just as a follower of Jesus, I want to convince myself of, Hey, yes. But I also was like, man, listen to all these voices saying this aloud reading the word of God, man, I am not by myself, Hmm. right? It was such a powerful thing. It was so cool that that was the way we ended yesterday of just, hey, maybe just read the word, just really believe it. And again, it took a whole new meaning for me, Um, you know, yesterday hearing so many other voices say it too, and their excitement of reading it. So it sounds like mission accomplished then. Yeah, I think so. Good job, Ken. All right, guys, thanks so much. We'll uh, see you again real soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap on episode 26 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. We're so honored you would choose to spend this time with us today. As always, if you ever have any questions from Sunday's message, we do hope you join us at quadcity.church Romans, where you can submit those questions to be answered right here on the podcast. We hope this episode was helpful and fruitful in your walk with Jesus. And as always, we can't wait to see you again real soon.